Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Frozen Forward Podcast, brought to you by NHL News Updates. I'm your host, Luke. I got my three guys with me, Josh, Steve, and Stack. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty tired. Uh, I've been working a lot lately, not only just work itself, but um, we had to replace one of the windows in my house. So that's been fun. Uh, my dad's done a lot more work on it than me, though, so I can't take all the credit. But other than that, I've been doing pretty good, just kind of living life and hoping this summer can stretch out a little longer. Uh, what about you, Steve? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, it's playoff season for Beer League, so to- uh, yeah, tomorrow I'll be. Uh, we have our semifinals in our Wednesday league, so that'll be fun. And uh, started going back to the gym. Went once last week and found excuses not to go the rest of the week. But uh, I've gone so far two days in a row this week, and it is it's peaceful in the morning. Getting up at six a.m. No one bothers you. It's it's just serene. And then throwing a bunch of weights around is. I missed it a lot, but anyways, uh, Luke, how are you feeling? Uh, as you guys listening, could probably tell I'm a little under the weather right now, so I'll be taking more of a backseat for this episode. I'm chilling this week. I'm on leave all week, so it's been a great time. I'm just trying to get everything in order, and you know, this being sick is not helping, but it's fine. Tomorrow, I'm going to try to get more things in order, but who knows? That's how life be. Stack, how about yourself? How are you? Oh, you know, pretty much a similar vein to every week and to what you guys have all said. Um, um, on a lighter note, I finally got my student teaching placement after waiting all friggin' summer, so I know where I'm going, um, which gives me more clarity for the rest of the summer. Um, pulling a couple 50 hour weeks in a row, trying to stack my bread before I have a very long unpaid internship in student teaching, um, which I'm looking forward to. Um, my wallet isn't, but I am. Um, yeah, just trying to finish up summer in style and get a couple weeks to myself to unwind and relax. But, uh, one team I hope isn't relaxing is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, this episode is going to be thoroughly devoted to them. My former optimism has turned to sour pessimism over the team. And I do not have a lot of hope. Uh, all the hope I had from this previous year um, has gone. They were the best team I've ever seen. The Toronto Maple Leafs team, that is. The best Leafs team I've ever seen in my lifetime the second best team my dad has seen in his lifetime, another lifelong Leafs fan. Um, yeah, I've got no hope and we're going to pretty much go through why I have no hope for the rest of this episode. Yeah. So as Stack said, we got a little bit of a overview we're going to do here about the Leafs, um, where they're at cap wise, who they've signed, who they've kept around, who they've lost and who they could still sign. And then we're going to go into Stack's, ideal rest of the offseason outlook so we're going to kick things off here we're going to start with where they're at currently so the team has a cap hit of 82.8 million dollars roughly so they're over the cap currently if they started the season today but they have some ltir use and all stuff all sorts of stuff like that so technically they'd be okay to start the season but you'd probably want to get a little bit under the cap if you're the leafs in this situation 
And I think with some of the moves Stack wants to make, they're definitely going to be under the cap by the start of next season. Um, unsigned players, they only have two of them. One would be Dennis Mulgan. He is an RFA. He's in the AHL. Um, I believe he's in arbitration right now. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I'm sure a deal is going to get done with him eventually, but just an AHL player for him there. And then Joshua Hoshang was signed to a PTO um, a few weeks ago, I believe. And so technically he's an unsigned player on their roster, but I mean, I think that's pretty smart move. He seems like a pretty good third or fourth line guy for the Leafs. Um, yeah, Stack, go ahead. Yeah. So my whole thing with, I mean, with Dennis Mogan, I mean, I don't think he's in arbitration. I don't think they are looking at him as a legitimate NHL option. He is AHL assurance depth. Um, however, Hosang uh, doesn't perplex me. It intrigues me because, I mean, he was a guy who had promised for a, a long time and seemed to have been sewered by the Islanders management for it seemed like nonconformity because he really, he, he was sort of outside the box as a player. He had a, you know, a big personality in the locker room. And that was one thing that the Islanders never, it didn't seem like at least in Lou also didn't really seem to catch on to and to take favorably, but he still has all that potential to me. And he's shown flashes when he has played in the league of, you know, being that level that he was drafted to, you know, eventually get to. And I think them signing him to a PTO this early indicates that they have something big in mind for him, uh, sort of in a similar vein to the Alex Galchenyuk trade um, and getting him and, you know, they rehabbed him and he fit in really well on the top two lines. And, you know, it seems like he's leaving, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful for Hosang. And if nothing else, you know, it's a good story for him. Right. And he was, so he was drafted in 2014, 28th overall. He's currently 25 years old. And in 53 NHL games over the course of three seasons, he has 24 points, all three seasons with the Islanders. His best season coming in 2017-18, um, he had 22 games played with 12 points. So like Stack said, he's, He's got promise, but it looks like the Islanders just didn't really like them in their in his didn't really like him in their system. Um, he has played the past, or he did play last year in the SHL. Only nine games between two different teams, and had three points in those nine games. Um, we so, gotta um, we gotta remember with with Hosang too that there was a lot of issues with him and the Islander organization and the league in general. Right. Um. We saw a lot of that, and that's why he played in the SHL this year. He he didn't like his kind. Of, it's all kinds of convoluted, and there's a lot of um, temper and locker room issues that are talked about with Hosang. Right, but the one thing to point out in his last two seasons in the AHL in eighteen nineteen he had fifty six game played and forty three points. Nineteen twenty he split between the Sound Tigers and the San Antonio Rampage, where he played. 16 games for the Sound Tigers and six games for the Rampage, totaling 13 points between the two. So he's, like we said, he's got promise, but if he's got locker room issues and temper issues and just kind of a beef with the whole league, 
I don't know if Toronto's the place he should go, but this is why he's on a PTO. You know, he's not on an actual deal. I, I think what the Leafs are kind of trying to do is what the Bills have sort of done the last couple seasons, obviously without the success, is that bringing in guys and it's just internal development. I mean, you see what the Bills did with Josh Allen. You see what the Leafs did with Galchenyuk. Obviously, I'm not comparing the two from a skill standpoint because it's obvious Allen's way better at his sport than Galchenyuk is at his. But it's the similar vein of bringing in a guy or having a guy who has the talent in the pieces but hasn't been able to put it all together. And that's sort of what the Bills are doing now with Mitch Trubisky because he looks good so far. And Mm -hmm. I've heard nothing but good things about Mitch Trubisky so far. And maybe that's what the Leafs will end up trying to do with Hosein is just kind of try and connect the dots, put all the pieces together on and off the ice. Yeah, more GMs should definitely do what Dubas is doing here. Buy low on a player who has a lot of skill, and if it doesn't work out, you wash your hands of it. It's not like there's any commitment here. He doesn't even have a contract for next year, let alone ones after that. So it's a nice buy low option, and when you're, up against the cap like the Leafs are, these are the kinds of deals that they need to do and hit on to increase their depth. Yeah. So speaking of guys that are signed long-term, I pulled a few of the uh, biggest contracts here for the Leafs. Obviously, these are some names you're going to know. Austin Matthews at $11.6 million for the next three seasons. John Tavares at $11 million for the next four seasons. And Mitch Marner at $10.9 million for the next four seasons, rounding out some of the top contracts in the forwards. And on defense, the biggest contract being Jake Muzzin at 5.6 for the next three seasons. Morgan Riley and TJ Brody not very far behind at 5 million. Riley's only got one year left, and Brody has three. So a lot of big contracts on in the fold for the Maple Leafs. So the lower or the bottom six and even some of the middle six guys are going to have to take some severe pay cuts here. Um as they move forward. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see Matthews and if Marner is still with the team, if Tavares is still with the team, we're going to see them get some raises. Well, maybe not Tavares exactly, but Matthews and Marner for sure. will get raises when their contracts are up in a few years. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get more into Marner here as uh, we move towards our trades later on in the episode with stack uh, and his rampage of trying to get Mitch Marner out of Toronto. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Josh, you just have some cold takes sometimes. What do you mean? They're not, gonna give, they're not getting more than what they're already getting. Well, in a Matthew, few years. Matthews, yes. Marner, there's no way. Marner has even not lived even... up to his contract. He's had one year that was worth that contract. However, he's disappeared in the playoffs. Matthews, on the other hand, even with his playoff, not as great performance. The man scored four. Didn't he get 40 goals last year, Stack? Uh, he had... 41 goals in yeah. 52 games. Yeah, I didn't, that, that's Matt, I didn't say Matthews had a bad performance. No, no, no. no he, playoff, playoff. Yeah. No, but I, but Luke was up. saying that neither of them were going to get raises. The same thing. The same thing. I'm splitting you two. I'm saying Matthews, yes, because he's going to be a UFA. 
and Marner, no, even though he's going to be a UFA because Marner does not deserve that kind of money. Unless My rationale with Marner is he's a greedy little bitch and he's going to want as much as he can get. In a flat cap era, GMs are telling him to F off. Well, right, but he's going to he's gonna want something upwards of 11. Doesn't matter though... if there's not a market. Right. You you can you can throw a banana on plaster, call it art, and charge two million dollars. If no moron buys that for two million dollars, you're gonna sit there with your rotting banana on some plaster. And no, that's not a joke about his manhood. <laughs> well, All right. so I, I I agree with you, Steve, in the sense that yeah, Marner's not getting more than what he makes. One because of all of the shit he's gotten for it for the contract alone for not showing up and for essentially sewering the team. He let's not forget the time he signed his contract. He was not worth more or played significantly better than William Nylander and William Nylander got almost half of what Marner makes. Um, I've always liked Nylander more. Um, and now Nylander's contract looks like a steal, and Marner's looks like an overpayment by yeah, more metrics. At least in the at least in the playoffs during the regular season, he lit it up. But you're going to do that playing with a guy who scores 41 goals in 52 games. Yeah, and before we transition into their more near-term situation, I would just like to point out that Matthews and Nylander's deals end in the same offseason. So 2024 is going to be pain. No, they don't. No, Matthews ends in at the end of the 23-24 season, and Marner's ends at the end of the 24-25. No, I didn't say Marner. I said Nylander. Oh, I'm sorry. I misheard you. He said said Matthews and Nylander. Yeah, no, that's going to suck. And then Tavares and Marner end in the same year as well. So The year after, but... So Tavares at that elite level at that time. So like the contract he's on now, that's his money contract. And then after that is going to be how badly does he want to stay and finish what he started if they don't get a cup in the next, I think he's got what, four years left? Yeah. Four, yeah. Yeah. So moving on to some free agents that the Leafs have signed so far this offseason. They signed goaltender Peter Mrazek from the Carolina Hurricanes on a three-year, $3.8 million deal. They signed forward Nick Ritchie from Boston on a two-year, $2.5 million deal. They signed David Kampf from, I believe, Chicago on a two-year, $1.5 million deal. Um, they signed Michael Bunting, and I'm not – I'm sorry. I'm not sure where Michael Bunting came from because I didn't know he existed until the Leafs signed him. Arizona. Hey, what's that? Arizona. Ah, okay. To a two-year, $950,000 deal. And lastly, they signed Andre Kasha on a one-by-1.25 million dollar deal from the Boston Bruins. Stack some quick thoughts on these guys, and we can let you go more in-depth on it once we get through our overhear here. But any quick thoughts on these guys? Uh, to make it short but sweet, Petr Mrazek I'm excited for, but I'm nervous because he... Had great numbers in a short sample size last year. Um, Nick Ritchie, um, he's good, and he's half of a Zach Hyman replacement, the other half being Michael Bunting. He's got the physicality, but he doesn't score as much, and he takes a fuck ton of penalties. Michael Bunting, he's a relentless puck hound, and I'm really excited to see if he can 
you know, sort of take on a Zach Hyman-like role in the upper part of the lineup. Um, and Andre Kasha, I hope he can return to form. He's been riddled by injuries the last few years. Um, since leaving Anaheim, he hasn't played up to his normal standards. He had 20 goals a couple of years ago. He hasn't been close since. Was there another he one? Could definitely, <laughs> he could definitely be a steal for you guys if he can pop off. Yeah, that's there right. There was also David Kampf. But... Oh, yeah, him. He's um, similar to when the Leafs got Riley Nash uh, last season. He is a black hole of offense, but the other team's not going to score when he's on the ice. He's a legitimate either fourth or third line center, but more importantly, he is the penalty-killing center that the Leafs haven't had for years, since probably Jay McClemmon in, like, 2013. So, One final addition we have to point out here that will also be noted in the players' lost section. Um, Toronto receives Jared McCann from the Pittsburgh Penguins for Philip Hollander and a 2023 seventh-round pick. And without further ado, I'm going to let Steve take over our subtractions section because Steve likes the pessimistic side and I like the optimistic side. So <laughs> we're going to let Steve do some negative talking here. Um, so Steve, take it away. All right. So as the resident pessimist, I'd like to point out, I'm always right eventually. So let's get into the players they have lost. Uh, starting with Jared McCann, who they traded Philip Hollander for, who ironically they got in the Kapanen trade which they from Pittsburgh. So Hollander was a Pittsburgh draft pick and they got him for Kapanen, who was also a Pittsburgh draft pick. And now Hollander is back in Pittsburgh. It galaxy brain type stuff there. So but anyways, really, no, Toronto just gained like two draft picks and nothing else in the Kapanen in their trades with Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, I guess. So sort of in the the, long run, the story behind that pick by Seattle was that they, the GMs of Pittsburgh and Toronto knew that Seattle liked McCann and Kerfoot. So they swung this deal to try and protect one of them. And McCann is a vastly superior player. So Seattle takes McCann. Uh, yeah, so Toronto kind of got the raw end of the deal there. Well, they did, but it also was completely by Dubas's design. Um, they've gone on record saying that, one, that the Leafs like Kerfoot, and also that they want to run it back with this group because they obviously missed the fucking mark. And Kerfoot is a big part of this group, and what he can bring, alongside what McCann can bring, is intangible and this Leafs essentially did that deal so that Seattle takes McCann and they can run it back with much of the same core lineup from last year which is terrifying to think of so yeah, why it, not it, it just kind of sounds kind of sounds like um in old NHL games where they release them too early and there's a bunch of free agents still left. You sign one of those random guys and put them in a trade for a guy you actually want. That's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. Anyway, like why, why not just let Seattle take McCann from Pittsburgh and 
keep Hollander. Because then, well, that then Toronto would have lost Kerfoot, as Stack just said. They wanted to run it back with the guys they got. So basically, they traded Hollander to protect Kerfoot. Exactly. So that's kind of where it ended up. I connect the dots. Yep. Uh, they also lost some notable guys. Uh, Freddie, Freddie Anderson, their starting goaltender, signed a two-year, $4.5 million a year deal with Carolina. So they basically swapped goaltenders and saved a little money on the cap with Mrazek. Uh, Nick Foligno signed a two-year deal with Boston, just shy of $4 million a year. So he had a very short tenure with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Zach Bogosian. Uh, notable Norris candidate signed three years for 850k with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So he got the term he was looking for and probably took a slight hit, little less money just to stay in the sun. And I don't blame him. Uh, they also lost backup goaltender David Riddick, signed with Nashville, and then the big loss, uh, you know, they're really, really sad about this. Uh, Zach Hyman signed a seven-year deal with Edmonton. And you, there's so many jokes I could make here, but I'll spare you guys. So I, I'm just going to leave it over to Stack. And how sad are you that the Leafs lost their Hyman? Ooh. <laughs> Insert the boo track, Josh. Um, anyways, um, of the losses they had, the one I'm least sad over is probably Freddie. Um, I'm don't get me wrong, I'm sort of sad over all of these. I'm I'm probably least sad over Freddie or Bogosian. Um, Bogosian because he was really good in his role, and they're gonna miss sort of that sandpaper he brought on the back end, but um. Freddie, I am a little more sad over because the Leafs really sucked for a while and really didn't have a good goaltender for a while. And when Luf traded for him in 2016 and then all the young guns came onto the team at the same time, Hyman, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Kapanen, Janssen, all these guys all at once. Um, Anderson was sort of the, really the veteran of the team at that point and he was a Vesna caliber goalie for two or three years there with the Leafs. And this last year or so, he fell off completely. And, I mean, he cost them the series against Columbus. He cost them a couple against Boston. I mean, this year, obviously, he didn't play because Campbell did really well. And look at that. The Leafs' defense wasn't the reason they lost this series. So... It sucks to see him leave, but uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out, Freddie. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, the Nick Felino one kind of rubs me, but only because they paid a first round to get him and Buffalo, Buffalo somehow didn't get a first for Hall. And the Bruins ended up going farther with Hall, and Hall did better. Um, Felino got hurt pretty much as soon as he got to Toronto and didn't was never as good as he could have been, which blows. But at the same time, I mean, he put on his dad's hat from 1993, the last time the Leafs made a conference final. So when he when he got acquired by the team, that really sucks that he wants to leave like that. He would have taken less money too, I think he said. But yeah, that one hurts a little bit. 
too. I'm actually really surprised he didn't sign with Minnesota. Yeah, I am too. You think he would, but they, they must really in their cap projections for what they think uh, Kaprasov is gonna pull in. They must really not think they're gonna have much cap space after that. Right, Kaprasov, who might not even sign now. Yeah, that yeah, that's he's got like a ten million hilarious deal on the table back in Russia. Yeah. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, Krill the Thrill, the reigning Calder Trophy winner from Minnesota, who completely changed that team from an aging nothing burger of a team into a team that took Vegas to seven games in the first round. They looked really good and looked like a team on the rise. Uh, He has a deal on the table from uh, CS, who cares what initials are, because the Russian. CSK. Yeah, didn't ask. Um, He has a deal with a team in the KHL on the table for a lot of money in case Minnesota doesn't meet his demands. So basically, he's using it as leverage. And sitting back and knowing my team's going to suck ass next year, especially after they trade he who must not be named because sadness. Uh, I just can't help but find this hilarious. What's even more funny, though, is that the sticking point on this sounds to just be term. It's not that they don't want to give him the money. It's they don't want to give him the shorter term that he wants. It sounds like Kaprizov wants three to four years and the Wild want to give him, like, I think seven to eight. So it's there must just be trying to lock him lock him up long term. But at the same time, I can see why Kaprizov wants to shorten it up a bit, maybe maximize his profits in the future and give yeah. him some, give himself some flexibility. Yeah. And in that way, he'll be able to basically maximize his earnings because if he makes, he's going to make decent money either way. But if he's on a short term deal, then he's going to be in his prime when he signs his next deal. And that's the money contract. So what the wild want to do is overpay a little bit now so that they can save a bunch on the back half of the contract, kind of like what the Sabres did with Eichel versus what they did with Sam Reinhardt. Two different situations, and both ended terribly. But that's more because the Sabres suck. Yeah. Well, yeah. To me, this seems like Kaprizov wants to do what the, you know, the big stars of the NBA do, like Josh was saying, and get a lot of money short term and then maybe change teams because who wants to stay in Minnesota? Um, anyways, back to the Leafs. Uh, David Riddick. Um, actually, I'm least sad about that when I change my mind. Uh, fuck off. Um, what I'm most sad about, obviously, besides Jared McCann, because I really liked him, is Zach Hyman. Um, similar vein to Freddie. He was the older guy of that rookie group that came in in 1617. Um, just relentless puck hound. Always got in the dirty areas and always did his job. There wasn't a time where, you know, post game report, you could be like, yeah, Zach Hyman really wasn't on tonight. Yeah, he really was lazy tonight. Stuff like that. You never heard about Zach Hyman. And Edmonton's getting a good one. Um, I'm going to miss him a lot, but hopefully this Michael Bunting can sort of fill his role. If he can fill his role at least half as well, then it's, you know, it's sort of a win in that regard. 
Yeah, so the Leafs do still have a couple of UFAs from their team last year that are still unsigned. There's Alex Galchenyuk, who they acquired. Uh, he's still only 27, which is actually astounding because it seems like he's played for every team in the league at this point. In 26 games, he had 12 points and four points in their six playoff games. And also Big Joe Thornton, who is 42 played 44 games and had 20 points and only one point in his seven playoff games. Either yeah. one of them you think are going to don a Maple Leaf jersey again? Uh, I think Galchenyuk maybe only because it was reported that all oh, he wants to test the market and obviously the market doesn't really want him. So I think he might come back on a league min just so he can play somewhere and make NHL money. Uh, Joe Thornton, uh, go fuck yourself. Oh, you can't say that to Big Joe, but I, I, I interesting take kind of there, Stack. I it hated seemed, Jumbo. Seemed a little aggressive, but before we get onto that, uh, at least Galchenyak isn't like the guy from the Lakers who turned down a four-year, eighty million dollar contract, went to the market, and everyone said we don't want to sign you, and the Lakers moved on. So yeah. he and then he signed a one-year, six million dollar deal. Oh, that was that was the ending. That's even funny. Yeah, he signed with the Celtics. One year, six million. Amazing. But anyways, yes. why, anyway. why so much hate for Joe Thornton? Yeah, I feel like it was like a novelty signing, even from day one. Obviously, he was probably great for the locker room, whatever, but we see how far that got him. Um, He, in game one, when they lost to Varus, it was on the power play. He gave away the puck to Paul Byron, who scored that insane goal to give the Canadians the lead and they would go on to win the game. The Leafs could have won that game. The Leafs could have not been completely embarrassed by blowing a 3-1 series lead. They would have won it after game five if Jumbo didn't fucking give away the puck. And he was pretty much nothing when he wasn't playing with Matthews and Marner the entire season, so... Yeah, good riddance, Joe. I thought you were gonna go like bring Joe back. I oh no. I, I, I mean, I fair, mean, but he's still a legend. Yeah, he's a legend who can't play anymore. It's like when Martin Broder went to the Blues. It's just not working anymore. Yeah, you're just kind of forcing something that's not, you're putting a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Yeah, if you have to bring up Broder and St. Louis. It's time to retire. Yeah. <laughs> I think he should stay in Toronto as like a no. quote unquote hockey ambassador. No. I mean, he did have good bonding with Marner and Matthews, correct? He can ambassador fuck off to whatever Swiss <laughs> League team he was playing on before the Leafs decided to sign him. <laughs> well, that's where he is playing right now, and I don't think he's doing so so good yeah, over there. there. But why don't we get into why don't we get into some angry stack here? So that completes our <laughs> overview section of this show. Now we're gonna talk about talk to Stack about what he wants to see the Leafs do the rest of this offseason. I mean, it, everything's really died down a bit. I was looking today, and there hasn't been a trade made since July 31st. That is 10 days ago, and I don't like that. That that's very boring. Um, so where do they go from here is the biggest question. Um, I guess we'll start with what kind of trades do you want to see? 
And I'm assuming there's going to be a big $10 million deal going out the door if you had your way. Yeah. I mean, it's no surprise I've been on the dislike martyr train ever since he got that contract and he held the team out a couple months for it. But um, surprisingly enough, he's not the trade that I want to happen the most. Considering the circumstances, um, if the Leafs can't get an extension with Morgan Riley by the time the trade deadline comes around, they have to trade him. If Seth Jones and every other defenseman who got fucking traded this offseason's return isn't an indicator enough to Kyle Dubas that they could fetch a King's ransom for Morgan Riley right now, I don't know what is. And if if he doesn't trade him and the Leafs peter out, honestly, fire him. Like, really, they could get a first-rounder, an A prospect, and a, and a roster player at this point. Like, Columbus got more than that for Seth Jones, who really isn't as good. Or they're roughly the same. Obviously, they do things differently. One's right, one's lefty, one's, you know, bad. One's pretty good in a good role. Um, The Leafs should trade him before the deadline if they don't have an extension for him by then. And judging by the contracts that these defensemen have signed this offseason, like Jones's extension, like Lorensky's, um, like whatever Quinn Hughes is going to get. Um, Darnell Nurse. Yeah, what Nurse just got, who just got to be as good as Riley has been for the last couple of years. Um, the Leafs can't afford to keep Riley anyways, and he probably doesn't want to take a hometown discount even though he's not even from the he's not even from Toronto he's from Vancouver um yeah no that's the gist of it if they don't trade him and they don't extend him then fucking start over fire dubis fire shanahan because this team for obviously worse you know instead of for better or for worse it's obviously for worse has stuck to their guys even when it's clear that they should trade them like every, it feels like every trade deadline, the last few years, there's been a guy who's on an expiring deal. Who's a somewhat core part of the team who has gone on to not perform in the playoffs. And then they, he signed somewhere else in the off season three years ago, James Van Riemsdyk, the 19 against Boston. I can't really name one but I can guarantee there probably was one anyways. It doesn't matter. Um, this past year with Zach Hyman, I mean, they could have got so much for these guys. James Van Riemsdyk had almost 40 goals that year. You don't think a team's paying at least a first-round pick and a good prospect for that at the deadline? Like, Hyman would have probably got the same, if not more, this deadline. That's if the Leafs don't do that with Riley, fucking scrap it. Like, I'm tired at this point. So, you name off, um, you named off one of your trades you want to see happen. Give us your other top two, like, give us your top three. So, give us a couple more that you'd want to see. What, what do you oh, th- like? Three trades I want to see happen. About, yeah, yeah. Well, two more, I should say. Okay. Well, yeah, my first one is obviously more if the Leafs don't extend Riley. 
Riley to a, a contender or burgeoning contender, like maybe even Minnesota, something like that, for their first-round pick, one of their best prospects, and a roster player. Because it's clear, obviously, with the packages that have come for defensemen this offseason, he's worth that or more. Right. Two, um, Mitch Marner for a similar package. Um, a first-round pick or two, maybe. Uh, a good prospect and a roster player who preferably could play in the top six. Um, and three, well, this one's kind of tough. Obviously not going to be as exciting, but trading Alex Kerfoot's money, um, just getting him off the books opens up a lot of space that for money that could be placed in the top six, especially if David Camp comes in and he does a good job. Maybe they move Spezza up to the third C, keep Kampf on the fourth or vice versa. And then they can use that money at the deadline to pick up a player who can play first or second line left wing instead of Richie, Kampf, or, or sorry, not Kampf, Richie, Bunting, or Kasha if they don't work out. Do you think they try to move Mikheyev? Uh I fucking hope so. I hate him too. I mean, he's only got one year left. Do you think they might just ride it out and not re-sign him? Or? Uh, I really hope not. And considering they're still over the cap and they still have him and Pierre Engvall, I really like Pierre Engvall, um, despite it seems like everyone hates Pierre Engvall. I don't get it. He's big. He's got the reach. He can be physical when he wants to, and he's got a great shot. Uh, Mikheyev doesn't have a great shot. He's fast, but he's not very physical. And he doesn't really do anything great besides being fast. That's it. And in the playoffs, he was nothing. Ever since He's I mean, it, re- it really sucks, but ever since he got that wrist, his wrist cut last year against uh, New Jersey, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been able to shoot, and he just is nothing out there. He's not productive. So. One thing that I find like kind of funny about this and like listening to you talk stack about your Leafs is it reminds me a lot of the Silky Mitts guys we had on a few weeks ago. Just screw it, scrap it, whole new team. I'm ready. Whole new team. Even after just making the playoffs, you know, probable should have been contender, knocked themselves in the shot themselves in the foot. It's just kind of funny to me. No, I mean I, I get it, and I love the Silky Mitts guys, but you guys just won a cup three years ago. Please pipe down. <laughs> like, I get it. I do. And like I said, I love those guys. But, man, this really sucks. Like, this like I, it was the best team I had ever seen in my life. They played defense great. The goaltending was almost always there. And just watching Matthews and Marner and Nylander every night, it was just awesome. Like, and they played so well. There was there was only a few games the whole season where, you know, a few losses the whole season where I was like, wow, this team is really showing flashes of the team that they've always been the last couple of years. And I probably should have listened and got my heart out of it before it fucking broke in half. But yeah, no, I'm I'm not at the scrap it yet. If they don't if they don't do something this season. I'm out of it. Like, 
I'm done. There's really like even, you know, Steve Dangles on that similar thing. Like I know listening to his videos and the podcast and stuff recently, he he's very on that scrap at this season. But I still have hope because I'm young, I'm dumb, and um I'm I've I guess I'm a masochist at this point because I know they're gonna hurt me again. I just hope it's not in the first round. Welcome to yeah. our club. Welcome to our I, club. I, I, well, <laughs> there, there is reason for optimism with some of their signings. I think Andre Kashe is a fantastic player. He just needs to stay healthy. And you always talk about how Toronto has one of the best uh, medical uh, groups, doctors, whatever. Uh, yeah, medical staffs. My my goodness, words are hard sometimes. So English. English. I prefer Spanish. Anywho, uh, so likely he might put up a pretty good season for you guys at a pretty discounted rate for what you thought he was getting a couple of years ago when he popped off for Anaheim. And then Nick Nick Ritchie is a perfect blend of the kind of you know grit that you the team lacks, but he can still play the damn game which is something that has been sorely missing from a lot of depth pieces. Like you, you got the Wayne train last year, but he was shot. I'll, I'll, he couldn't keep up with the game. Like he, he's done. Well, he, he was shot after he broke his, his wrist. He had five goals in 12 games to start the year. And then he, I think he either broke his wrist or fractured it something. His shot wasn't the same after. He was showing flashes of who he used to be, but his speed his speed wasn't really gone. It was just his hands were gone after that. But I know he's he's, you know, obviously he's a guy who works hard and I know he's working out probably right now. But no, I, I can agree with that though. The the depth pieces they've had, I mean, McKayev is obviously, you know, I can't remember a more sig- I can't remember a goal of his that had any significance. He's a sur- superfluous player. He he's, he's there. A depth, he's a depth guy who's just a a worse version of players that you already have. Yeah. You know who he is? He is Villileno. Oh. Ugh. No. But sir, that's that's a low blow. Uh, I is it a low blow Ow. to you guys or is it a low blow at McKayev because it's fucking true? I think it's more of a low to blow to us McKayev. because the truth hurts. Fair, but yeah, like there's only been a handful of depth pieces that they've had the last few years that I've liked. Even some of the rentals, like Felino, I liked at first, but then he really sucked, and then you know. Riley Nash too, like nothing burger, like, and this is the other thing that sucks is now they have all this depth. Where does Nick Robertson fit into this picture? Where does Matthew knees, their second round pick who's been playing like a first rounder in the world junior showcase, where does he fit into this? Maybe not this year, but next year, year after that. Yeah. Where does Brody and Amira fit into this? Who's, doing really well in Russia right now. I mean, they pretty much just started his preseason for them, I believe, but he looks really good already. He's dipping, dodging, and weaving. I saw some preseason highlights on Twitter. 
he had a really nice primary assist and it was only in one game, but still where with all this depth that isn't really good, you're keeping promising young pieces out of the lineup. Sort of the problem they've had on defense the last few years too, with Sandine and Liljegren coming up and guys like Travis Dermott, who almost left to, um, to Seattle. I mean, those guys all can play an NHL, an NHL shift, but they're being blocked from it. Where do they fit? So I've got a little bit of a two-part question here. One, I mean, I know you talked about with the trades, with the Riley trade specifically, you'd want to see that at the deadline next this coming season if there's no deal in place. Um, where would you want to see any other trades? Do you want to see any more this offseason? Would you want to see a Marner trade before the season starts and then have the Leafs go after some more of these um, free agents. So that's the kind of the second part of my question is, do the Leafs make a big trade this offseason to clear a bunch of cap and then try to sign some more free agents along with bringing in pieces from that huge trade? Well, I don't think they trade Marner because it's like Dubas has been saying he wants to run it back with the group from right. this year, which sucks. And it's obviously going to make or break Dubas's career as a Leafs as the Leafs GM. If they get past the first round or even the second round, he's probably going to keep his job. If they falter again, he is done. So, Riley trade I really don't want to see because I love Morgan Riley. He like when I grew up playing hockey and I was a defenseman, I used to love skating like Morgan Riley and just breaking out of the zone myself and being an offensive defenseman like he is. And and now I would really hate to see him leave, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did because, I mean, it's been the trend that I was talking about. The guys who are on one-year deals, expiring deals, being kept at the deadline and then going somewhere else after the Leafs eventually fucking lose in the first round. Or the not even in the qualifying round. Um, I I don't think Marner gets traded. I don't think there's any big trades at this point unless there's a significant injury or something comes up. A player they like is available because I mean Marner's contract is a boat anchor now. I mean. It looks worth it in the regular season. Then you get to the playoffs and it's clear it's, he's not worth it anymore. Um, Which is extra funny because the playoffs is when the cap doesn't matter. Right. Maybe he'll pull a Kucherov and they can add someone in that 10.893 million because he had to get his junior number in there. Um, yeah. Like I said, I don't think he's gone. Uh, I would love to see him gone because I think he's a pretentious, you know, I'm not going to fill this podcast with expletives right now, but um, yeah, I I don't have any room for him anymore. He's never exceeded my expectations. Um, he doesn't do anything particularly well besides pass the puck. He's got good vision. He passes well. He's not physical. He doesn't shoot when he should. Um, I could keep going, but. Yeah, no, I don't think he's gone, but I want him gone. Yeah, so let's try and bring Stack back from the ledge. Let's talk about some players that you're excited about maybe heading into next season. 
out of probably your three big best prospects, Lilgren, Sandine, and Nick Robertson, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact next season? Uh, I think it'll be Rasmus Sandin. Um, I think he's going to get a legitimate shot, probably in the top four, probably playing with Jake Muzzin, who besides being a good partner with everyone he's ever played with, and it's arguable that he kept fucking Drew Doughty afloat because Drew Doughty's been off god-awful ever since he left L.A., but um, I think he can really thrive playing alongside a guy like Muzzin who can protect him too and also be a good partner. Um, Lil Ugrin, I'm less, I'm probably the least hopeful for because I don't know how you get in the lineup over one of over TJ Brody, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, Rasmus Sandin. Um, who am I blanking on? Dermot Hall. Dermot. Oh yeah, Hall. He was the one I was blanking on. I don't know how you get in over those six guys. Because Hall, I mean, Hall's probably going to play with Muzzin. I hope Sandine does, but they were really good together, and Muzzin was keeping Hall afloat, pretty much. Um, Riley and Brody work fucking phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, Dermot and whoever, if it's Sandine, if it's someone else they sign before or trade for before the season starts, I don't feel like Lilligren has a spot. And if the Leafs do trade for a rental at the deadline again, I feel like he's going to be the prospect that goes. Um, what Nick about Robertson? Robertson? Do you see him cracking the lineup this year? Because he was he was close. Yeah. He, he got I, some games in during the uh, bubble playoff, but it didn't seem like they had a spot for him last season. Yeah, and it also sucked because he got hurt and then he got COVID, I think right around the beginning of the season when they would have given him a lot of looks. Um, I do think this year he will probably get a chance, um, probably for cap reasons that his contract is low and whatever, that whole get a chance on the nights that the Leafs need to keep some money off the books because that's that was so weird this season how every other night the Leafs had a new lineup in the and presumably, predominantly rather in the bottom – two lines of forwards. Um, I think he'll get some looks probably on the top two lines. He had some good chemistry with uh, Tavares and Nylander when he played in the bubble. Um, yeah, I think he'll get a couple looks, but I'm not too hopeful yet. I think next year will probably be his breakout unless he really, really solidifies his spot in the lineup this year. Um, besides them, I'm really hopeful for their prospect. They they drafted this year in the second round, and Matthew Knees. He looks really good. He looks like Matthew's light, but plays wing. He shoots like him. He's physical. I'm really excited for him, but obviously he probably won't touch NHL ice for a couple of years. How are you feeling about Keith at this point still? Do you still believe in what he wants to do with the team, or are you starting to – Starting to lose it with him a little bit too. I mean, it's only what second year. Yeah, it's it's. This was his first. You know what? I, I'm not even gonna go where I was going with that. He hasn't had a full season with the team in a normal year. Right. His first year, he got, you know, 25 games in. They fired Babcock. He comes in. 
bang, COVID hits two months later. They were on a tear, COVID, bam, they lose in the first, not even. They lose in the play-in round. This year, COVID again, shortened season, uh, small sample size, and lackluster division. Um, of course, they ran away with it, but obviously they didn't come out of it. So I'm giving Keith the benefit of the doubt. However, this year is his make, probably not his make or break year, but if he's, I mean, if he, if they're going to make a change after this year, if the Leafs don't go anywhere, it's not going to be him. I don't think, I think it'll be upper management and sad as it is. I mean, I think that's, what's going to end up happening if they don't do well, I would hate to see Dubas leave. Because he's smart. I mean, you know, he might not be the best at signing contracts, but the way he thinks through the managerial part of the game, trades, the cap, and all the resources he has available to him, he's going to make a pretty significant part of whatever organization he inevitably will go to after his time in Toronto if they do fire him. However, if they don't get rid of him, they're going to be getting rid of Marner, maybe Tavares, maybe Nylander, and they stick with Matthews. I, I don't think if the Leafs have a collapse again or they straight up don't miss, don't make the playoffs, I think every head but Matthews is going to roll. At least yeah. on the forward group. Yeah, so, so bring it back to Keith for a second. How would you respond if someone came at you with, well, Ralph, Ralph Kruger never got a full season in Buffalo. What makes you so confident that uh, Keith is going to do better with his group? Because Keith was, you know, an actual is an actual hockey coach. He didn't coach a soccer team or write a World Economics book. Well, beyond that, Keith's track record is impeccable. Um, before. Before he got picked up, before we were recording the show and they fired Babcock and hired him on air, um, we were talking about Keith and we looked through his track record from his junior career, OHL with the Sioux Greyhounds, and then coming up through the AHL. If nothing else, his teams make the playoffs. Whether they win after that, it's beyond that. They'll most of his teams will at least be first, second, third place, make the playoffs or conference finals. And obviously, he's had two years in a row. The teams def technically made the postseason, the playing round for all you Leafs haters out there who said, Oh, we used to make the playoffs last year. They made the postseason, wasn't the regular season. It's technically the postseason, the playoffs is postseason. Um, of course they didn't do anything there, but still, um, and this team obviously made the playoffs again this year. Again, didn't do anything with it, but let's not forget the team finished first in the division. Winnipeg was no slouch. Edmonton was pretty good last year. Um, Montreal, obviously not a regular season team, but they made the fucking cup. You don't do that on accident. Um, I like it. They won the North Division title the first time ever, probably the last two, hopefully. Um, 
his coaching is is great. Like it's clear his coaching style as opposed to Babcock's is a clear change. The defense is much more responsible and solid. The forwards are in the same vein are responsible in that they'll come back and help the defense. Even in the offensive zone, the way they set up is awesome. They always have a third guy really high and it creates a lot of problems down low with, you know, flooding the net and just getting up shot lanes open. That's all his design. So I think, you know, compared to Kruger, I think Keith's track record is what keeps him afloat more than anything. Yeah, I just thought I'd give you a layup so you could go to bat and remind our listeners why Keith was so highly regarded before he got hired. Because a lot of times what happens is if coaches don't have playoff success, they get a bad rap. And sometimes it's very unfair. The quick example I wanted to bring up is Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz in Nashville forever could not get out of the second round. Then he was with Washington, still couldn't get out of the second round. Then the one year, it didn't matter. The one year they beat Sidney Crosby and they ended up winning the cup. Next year, he goes to the Islanders and he's why and his two years with the Islanders, he has proved he is one of the top coaches in the league, bar none. So it only takes one time, break the seal and from everything we've seen from Keith, he has that potential. Right. I, I think the Leafs would be foolish. I think Shannon would be foolish too. If the Leafs don't do well next year, their irrational move is to fire Keith. I think they would absolutely be moronic to do that because you're not going to get a coach who does what Keith does as well as Keith does it. And I think, obviously, next year, say they fucking lose in the first round, say they don't make the playoffs, it's on the players first. This management group has done pretty much everything it can to bring talent in around the core. They've held, they've had good goaltending, sometimes Vesna caliber, but usually at least league average goaltending the last five years. They've had a significantly strong top six, one of the best top sixes in the league. Great top four defensemen and good depth. It's not on, well, the Babcock years, it could be argued it was on coaching. The last two, it hasn't been on the coach, especially not this year. Yeah, for sure. And that's going to conclude our Leafs over offseason overview and preview of their upcoming season. We hope to do a lot more of these in the future uh, with as the offseason has settled down. A lot of teams are kind of taking shape. Uh, so we'll try and get those out to everybody listening. So you're all prepared for next season when it drops. So with that, let's roll into some closing time. And Josh, what do you got for us? Um, not too much. Just like I said at the top of the show, just been working a bunch and um, excited that the Erie County Fair is back this year. Luke and I are going to be going um, this Sunday, so that'll be fun. Um, but uh, quick hats off to Stack because I know that probably wasn't the easiest episode to do. I mean, it's it's pretty 
bleak and dismal if they want to keep rolling with the same group. And I mean, I, as Sabres fans, we know um, running your head into the wall for 10 years in a row. Yeah. Um, we know, we don't know your exact pain, but we know a version of it. No, no, um, no. Our wall punches us back in the face. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how, no, going hey, how thing going? That's only if you're Robin Leonard, apparently. Oh, yikes. Um, but uh, other than that, um, goodbye and good riddance to a certain New York State governor. Um, just wanted to throw that in there. That Thank yeah. God he's gone because what a piece of shit. Anyway. Yeah, see you, um, Andy. Luke, what do you got for closing time? You know, like I said, I'm uh... – I'm just chilling this week. I have the week off for leave, so I'm getting my life in order. Had the chance to uh, do a nice dinner with my parents and my girlfriend this past weekend. And, you know, just taking it day by day. I'm growing up, to say the least. So it's a weird time. It's a weird time to be here, but it's fine. Steve, how are you doing? Well, like I said, I'm doing pretty well. At the top of the show. Um, so my week and a half of vacation, I have a lot of stories. And last week we had the adorable one with us putting uh, me and my girlfriend petting a baby kangaroo, which was really nice. Um, another another story that from that vacation, we dropped by the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta when we were dropping by and seeing John and his fiance, soon to be wife. AJ, shout out, guys. Uh, thanks for putting us up and letting us be bums at your place while you work during the day. Uh, so we, we went to the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, and they I didn't know what to expect. I've, I've never been to an aquarium like that, and it's the biggest one in the world. They, they had a beluga whale, which is really cool. Dolphins. Uh, I forget if they had manatee. I think they had manatees there. I forget if it was there or one of the other zoos, but the manatees were really funny and it kind of inappropriate. They uh, tried to do a couple of numbers that usually make guys say nice on <laughs> Twitter. So if you know what that means, yeah, it was really awkward with kids around. But the story I wanted to tell was we ended up doing this sea lion show where they had three different California sea lions and their trainers do a bunch of tricks. Uh, the first like four rows got splashed because they were moving all over the place. They did individual sounds, and one of them sounded like an old man going, ar, ar, ar. It, it was weird as shit, but loved every second of it. And it was a lot of fun. 10 out of 10, would recommend. I'm going to clip that sound and make it my ringtone just for you. Like, the only time I'll hear that is when you call me or text me. Oh, uh, God. You're welcome. I mean, you're the one who's going to be just absolutely haunted by it every time it rings. Like, yeah, wait, gonna I was going to say. I'm going to set an alarm for like 3 a.m. and just nonstop call you. Never mind. I'm not going to. Yeah, literally, like you're just <laughs> giving him all of the chance in the world to annoy you with this at that talk point. About, talk about your all time backfires. <laughs> All right, you got me. Stack, what you got for closing time? Um, yeah, I've had a pretty wild week at uh you know, made of the moist. I mean mist. Um, anyways. So last few days have been wild. Um 
just yesterday. Well, a couple of days. Okay. A couple of days ago, we had fucking Megan the Stallion come through. She was on the other boat, so I didn't get to see her say hi or anything. But she hugged my friend. Um, she hasn't showered since. I'm kidding, Tara. I know, I know you showered. Anyways. Um, yeah, Megan the Stallion came through. That was wild. I was looking. So my boat was coming in the dock, and the boat, the other boat with her on it was leaving. She was at the very front of the boat, and I was looking at her through the binoculars from the wheelhouse of the other boat. And she had the biggest dude I've ever seen in my life as a bodyguard. He had to be at least six foot five, built like a lineman, like just crazy. But yeah, so that was one pretty wild thing from work. Um, I almost electrocuted the shit out of myself and another dude yesterday. Um, so there's a charging station now for the boats cause they're all electric now. Um, and we have to charge the boats between each ride. And it's part of my job to install the plugs that charge the boat. And they're extremely dangerous. Each of the charger plugs can put around four, 400 volts of electricity through it rapidly it's continuous for about seven minutes between each boat ride so i walk over to the charger station it's obviously roped off at this point because uh the lights that indicate that they're still charging don't fucking go in there are on and i'm it's near the end of the day i was on a double i'd probably been working about 10 hours at that point in the 90 degree heat that was yesterday and I wasn't listening to my coworker. He comes up and starts talking to me about something that happened while I was on my break with the chargers and I'm not listening. So all I hear is yada, yada, yada chargers. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So we're done. Like, Whoa, I, we can go remove the chargers. And I remove the rope while these are still charging. We go into the area to remove the chargers. My buddy has his hand on the handle to remove the charger and from the wheelhouse, we just hear this insane knocking. One of the captains was watching us almost fucking electrocute ourselves. And yeah, we both were like, oh, I didn't even realize. And yeah, safe to say I could have been deep fried stack yesterday. Oh, and then, you know, right after that, or right before that, actually, conveniently, there was a man on the... After the ride, there's a section of the down, you know, area of the valley next to the American Falls where you can walk up a set of stairs called the Crow's Nest. Then you, you know, you walk up, you get sprayed by the falls a little bit, then you walk back down. However, that area is not really roped off the greatest. So you can pretty much walk right down to the water if you really want poison ivy. So I'm on my break. We got a radio in our break room in case anything crazy happens. Lo and behold, this dude got naked, or at least down to his underwear, and walked from the crow's nest down to the water and was swimming and bathing in the water. Right across from some geese. He threw a rock at him, apparently, which I, I mean, good for you. Like, I hate geese, too, but... Yeah, the whole place pretty much went in a high alert, and 
the guy got escorted out by some police, but I was on my break at that time, and me and all my other buddies who were on break or at the position we were at were just friggin' dying. Arby's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, probably in my life, let alone at Nathan's, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got for closing time. Uh, wild week. Well, love to hear that you're not fried stack, and also, as I, as I say to people I work with too, you can't make this shit up about yeah. that last one. Like, you, you can't make this shit up. Like, people are just that crazy sometimes. Yeah, 100%. That guy's definitely got poison ivy on his dick right now. You know, probably living his best life. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not many people can say they swam in the falls. But, hey, maybe you. But, anywho, follow us on social media. The Instagram is at the Frozen Four Pod. The Instagram is at the Frozen the Number Four Podcast. Did I say Instagram twice? Yeah, the Twitter. I did. That first one is Twitter, just so you guys are, you know, catching on what I'm putting down, because apparently I'm not with it at all. But, as I say every week, be safe, be smart, and go watch some hockey. Commemorating the day, just so.